Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Quit playing horseshoes. We need those for old Sally. It's high noon for Friday, August 7th, 2020. Uh, Guys, today, rather than saying this bullshit at the end, I'm going to say it at the beginning. If you are listening, please share this with your friends. Please follow on Instagram or Twitter at I'm your moderator. That is all I have to say about that. Um, But the reason I'm saying it is because, you know, I think that we're kind of getting to that point where shit is going to start happening like all at once. Everything's going to feel like a rush to the finish line these next three months um, as school starts and people start getting used to the fact that COVID isn't really here right now. I know that's really hard for people to to hear, Um, but there are no hotspots right now. And it's been over a month since anyone even heard those scary reports about hospitals like having their ICUs overwhelmed. I mean, they weren't overwhelmed, but there were reports of that, that ICUs were at 95%. They were a few percent higher than they were this time last year. So it doesn't matter. And they have surge capacity, which they didn't use. Why didn't they use it? Because they weren't triaging any patients for care. New New Jersey's death curve is bigger than Florida, Texas, and Arizona combined with a far smaller population. It's not even close. It's not even close. The threat that you were made to believe exists or existed in Florida, Arizona, and Texas did not exist. Okay? There was obviously a spread of the virus. There was obviously an increase in deaths with the virus. But none of it was even close to being on the scale of New York and New Jersey. 
those three states were not even close to New York or New Jersey by themselves, much less combined, with a far, far bigger population. It is important to understand this. That's why I'm belaboring the point, because I really, really want people to have a relative sense of what's happening now compared to what the media is saying. And when I release the next scripted podcast, which I think will be this weekend or early next week, it's going to be called Controlled Demolition. It is going to be about how the media and the old guard have completely failed for the last six months and remembering all this stuff in succession and how wrong it was at the time and how wrong it looked in, you know, retrospect. I think it'll be a really good illustration of just how far gone this conversation is right now and why that is. And what I want is for everybody to feel comfortable talking about where they really are with things right now. You know, every day someone's telling me that they can't say this or that to their friend or they can't post this or that. Yes, you can. Okay. I did it. And if I have friends that are no longer into being my friend because of the work that I've been doing and the things that I've been saying, then they weren't my real friend to begin with. And I am totally fine with that. Like if I come out of this whole period with less of my old friends, good. Okay. There are people who respect diversity of opinion. All right. They are good people out in the world who are okay with you believing what you believe. The people that aren't okay with you believing what you believe and saying so are fascists. You see how that works? You're not the one trying to hold down anyone's freedom of speech, freedom of thought, freedom of expression. Not at all. If someone is making your relationship contingent on you saying and thinking the right things, your friend is wielding power over you and trying to shame you into silence by imposing social costs against what you think and believe. That's literally what the First Amendment is about. That is why religious freedom is important because it is about you believing what you believe and no one persecuting you for that. It is not just about the state being able to do that in principle. That is what it is in the law. But in principle, it is about the idea that people should not be persecuted for their deeply held beliefs. If they are not using those beliefs to hurt people. And I mean, in the real physical world, not saying a bad opinion online or saying an opinion that people don't like, you know, bad in quotes. And you cannot let people silence you like this. That is the goal. That is how they win. I do not want to live in the society that they want. 
And I don't know why anyone else does either. All right. A way to know this, and I'm going to talk about this in uh, the Controlled Demolition Podcast. Um, the way I look at all this stuff, all this stuff that has happened over the last six months, and you can certainly draw it back way farther than that. But which side was, which side's priorities move you as an individual in the direction of freedom, personal freedom, all right? So when we are told that we have to lock down and stay at our apartments, is that more freedom or less freedom? It's less freedom, okay? When we're told we have to wear a mask outside, when there's no science whatsoever anywhere that backs that up, we are moving toward less freedom. All right. When they say your kids can't go to school, but instead they can go to public daycare as, as Elizabeth Warren is now championing in the New York times, Elizabeth Warren, that perpetual liar and constant loser. How? Does it make sense to send children to daycare, but not to school? That's crazy. Now, why are they doing that? They're doing it to benefit teachers unions because teachers unions are massive donors to Democrats. New York, just uh, Governor Andrew Cuomo, the dumbest man on earth besides New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio and perhaps California Governor Gavin Newsom and Eric Garcetti. They're all just so bad. But uh, he announced that schools can reopen, but with very strict safety guidelines, because, of course, he still has to pretend that the reason schools were closed has to do with health and science rather than teachers' unions' priorities. If you don't believe me, look up the teachers union's priorities. Almost none of them have anything to do with COVID. All right. I know I've said it before. Just want to say it again. So what you have there is another move that limits freedom. All of this stuff is on a sliding scale. Okay. The problem with accepting small erosions of freedom is that collectively they become big erosions of freedom, all right? When do you think you're going to get to go to see a football game or a basketball game or a concert or a movie or go to a bar with your friends? Many of the things that many people enjoyed are no longer eligible for enjoyment. That is a limit to freedom. It is an erosion of freedom. It is not based on the science. We know that it's not based on the science. I've been saying this for months and months. Oh, and here's another thing about the masks. So anyone look at uh, Hawaii's case curve. You can see when they first put orders in place in April. You can see when they demanded masks outdoors. And then a few weeks after that is when their cases spiked. So 
What did the masks do? Nothing, because masks do nothing, all right? If masks did something, children would be required to wear them. But children aren't required to wear them. Why? Well, either children aren't big spreaders, and they're not, or the mask could potentially be harming children who might not know because they're children that they're allowed to take the mask off if, for instance, they can't breathe. If children were vectors of disease and in danger, they would have the same mask protocols as everyone else unless they knew it put the kids in danger to wear them. And the funny thing is it's actually probably both. Not only do they not help, and not only are kids not vectors of disease, and not only are the masks potentially harmful to the children in a way that COVID is not, it's all of those things. And so when you look at these policies, say, which one points in the direction of freedom? I had a friend of mine yesterday, very smart friend, really close friend of mine. We talk openly about whatever subjects uh, without judgment. We're friends. We disagree about um, certain aspects of where society's going and what foreign powers might be benefiting. I am convinced it's China. He is more convinced that somehow Russia is helping Trump's reelection campaign through psyops and whatever else. That's fine. That's totally something that is possible. I find it highly unlikely for fairly convincing reasons, I believe. But, uh, but he believes the other way, okay? And so we were talking, and uh, I was like, if this is a if this is all a trick for Russian domination, you know, they're basically doing all of the things that they wouldn't be doing. And why would they be doing the opposite of their goal? The idea that Trump is going to roll over and hand the United States to Russia is ridiculous. It didn't happen. So far, there's been no indication that it's happened so far. And the only reason anyone's even open to such a silly idea is that we spent three months with a ridiculous Russian collusion narrative propagated by Democrats and the media. The same Democrats who tried to undermine the peaceful transfer of power. Okay, so how in the world is Trump helping Russia? What has he done that has empowered Russia in any way? All right. On the other hand, we can look at China as opposed to the old guard. Political parties, media, entertainment, tech, academia, corporations. All of them need Chinese money depend on Chinese money, defend China in public. All of them hate Donald Trump and Donald Trump hates all of them. 
China is a burgeoning world superpower with a million Muslim Uyghurs in concentration camps right now. And the old guard is defending them, including your favorite Democratic politicians, including Gavin Newsom, including Joe Biden, including all of them. We are talking about a hostile foreign power that legitimately wants to take over big chunks of the world, if not the whole thing, and has concentration camps going right now, and has all sorts of technology set up specifically to spy on America, steal America's trade secrets and technology, and track our, our citizens. And you are confused about which side Donald Trump is on. If you think that, you're insane. So yesterday, the media started uh, freaking out because they believe that Kanye West is like some secret saboteur who's in the election to steal black votes from Joe Biden as if Joe Biden owns them. I am so sick of this fucking narrative. You know, there was this article out in Forbes that uh, all the woke bloggers at the New York Times were sharing. Like, look, Kanye is just a plant. Republicans helped him get into different states' races. So what? So what? Who cares who helped him? Kanye West is an American citizen born in America over the age of 35. That's the only qualifications for president. He is a citizen with just as much right to run as Joe Biden. And it's a good thing he is. He's speaking to issues that Joe Biden will not speak to while pretending to serve the black community. And of course, Joe Biden does not serve the black community because Joe Biden is a racist. And so is the whole goddamn party. All right. You cannot say that Kanye West is not allowed in. And if you believe that he's going to, quote unquote, steal votes from Joe Biden. You're a racist. There's no other way to believe that. Because it requires you believing two things. One, that black people were automatically going to vote for Joe Biden anyway, because black people are owned by the Democratic Party and black votes are owned by the Democratic Party. That's the only way that you can think that he's automatically going to vote for them. Either that or it's because you did such a good job slandering the Republican Party as racist, slandering Donald Trump as racist, that when Joe Biden says point blank that if you don't vote for him, you ain't black and that black Americans are not diverse in the way they see issues and in the way they vote. Those are both racist beliefs. And two, that black people will go vote for someone just based on their skin color. And funny enough, 
Not only do the Democrats think that about black Americans, they think it about women. And you can know this because Joe Biden made the first two priorities in choosing a running mate, her genitals and her skin color. That is sexist and racist. So there is no way to believe that Kanye West is going to take black votes away from Joe Biden unless you believe that black votes are owed to Joe Biden and that black voters will vote primarily on skin color and race. All of that is one big sloppy stew of racism. And it should be appalling that media members and an entire party and your friends who are pretending to be woke can't think their way through that. The idea that we're going to call some Norwegian chick's braids in her hair racist because of cultural appropriation, which it's not. And we're going to abide public proud racism from the left because we've been told that it can't possibly be coming from them. That, I mean, what planet do we live on? One of the uh, editors at the Daily Beast, her name is Molly Jong Fast. She basically had rich parents and now is an editor at a popular online blog. And she has been rage tweeting for five straight months while huddled up in a corner of her little Brooklyn apartment because she is one of the most deranged people in the world. Um, She tweeted out an article yesterday about how the NRA was going to spend uh, tens of millions of dollars um, to try to help Donald Trump win. And she tweeted, where are they getting all this money? And I tweeted back at her from Black Lives Matter. And I said that for a few reasons. The first being that Black Lives Matter is getting tens of millions of dollars and no one knows where it's going, but it's certainly going to get out the vote efforts for Democrats. So like, who cares, right? Also, the idea is that you have no idea where they're putting the money. Black Lives Matter totally could be putting money into the NRA. In fact, it would be really smart if they did. But then the other thing is gun rights actually do protect black people just like they protect white people. And so if Black Lives Matter was serious about black lives mattering, they would care about the Second Amendment issues. It's odd to want a society where none of the citizens have guns and simultaneously you're worried about state violence. That doesn't make sense. 
And you can see that right now in Australia because they are confined to their homes and all of the whining about how Australia has no mass shooting incidents and we have all of them. When people disagree with the silly point you're making on the indirect comparison you're making, this is why. Because people don't want to be told that they have to stay in their homes forever because their leaders are incompetent and focused on their own political futures. And if you think somehow that the justice system is racist, but you also want mandatory gun buybacks or to have them taken by force, who the fuck do you think that's going to hurt geniuses? It's funny. I'm basically constantly ranting at people who aren't listening, but it's because I want you to be able to rant at people who aren't listening. (laughs) Um, Oh, God damn it. Uh, I was thinking about Joe Biden yesterday in the afternoon, and I'm going to leave you with this. Um, And I was thinking about Bernie Sanders and all these people, these career politicians who we place all our faith in, you know, and Bernie Sanders is really one of these guys. And the cult of personality thing happens quite a bit more on the left than it does on the right. Um, And part of that is because being a conservative requires engaging your brain, whereas being a liberal or a progressive only requires like you constantly saying what you think is right all the time, right? So there's less of an inclination to um, form a cult of personality. And people are like, yeah, well, you're saying that while Donald Trump is in office, as if I don't realize what I'm saying, right? Donald Trump appeared in the political scene in 2015. That's five years ago. Bernie Sanders has been in politics for 50 years. Joe Biden has been in politics for 50 years. They have both claimed that they are fighting for you. And there's a serious harm in counting on politicians to solve all of your problems. They won't solve your problems, but you vote for them. You should know they won't solve your problems because they've never solved any of your problems before but you vote for them. Once they are in office, they do not fix your problems, but they tell you that they're fighting for you and the problem would be fixed if only they had more power. And that is what Bernie says. Bernie has never, ever, 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 got anything done ever. That's why they say things like, well, he's the amendment king. That's like being the king of getting lollipops from your dentist. That is not what he promises the citizens of Vermont and the citizens of America that he will do while he is campaigning. He couldn't even get Medicare for all done in Vermont. Okay. 
That is not the storied history of a politician that is fighting for you. That is a career's worth of failure. Joe Biden is no different. If they can't win on the issues once they are in office, it's because the American people or their state's people do not actually support their position on those issues. If they tell you that they are, that the same problems exist, the problems of inequality and racism and this and that, and that only their solutions will fix them, but they've been in office for decades and their party has been in power then they're not interested in fixing the problems or they're a part of the problem or they're extremely bad at their job. Totally incompetent. When I say incompetent, that's what I mean. Unable to do the things you say you're going to do or that you're attempting to do. That is what incompetence is. If they overpromise things, they are liars. When Bernie Sanders says, that he is going to get free college and get Medicare for all and take on the big banks and blah, blah, blah. He is a liar. Okay. He knows he's not going to do it. His 50 fucking years in office should tell you he's not going to do it. So every time he says it, you should know he's lying and trying to trick you. He says he's going to take on the drug companies. You know who did that? Donald Trump three weeks ago. Two weeks ago, maybe. Yeah, I think it was exactly two weeks ago. He signed a bill that is uh, signed an executive order, sorry, that will lower drug prices and give nations uh, most favored nation status so that we can have trading partners to eliminate monopoly control that China is trying to acquire. If you think that Bernie Sanders saying that he's going to take on the drug companies and that the only way to do that is by installing a socialist system. He's lying to you. Donald Trump just did more with a stroke of a pen than Bernie Sanders has done to take on the drug companies in his entire career. And the fact is, It wasn't that long ago that the Democrats had the presidency, the Senate, the Congress, and the Supreme Court on their side. And what did they do? Which one of these overarching cultural problems that they talk about and whine about constantly, which one did they address? Healthcare? Obamacare? Did your healthcare costs go down? Did your drug costs go down? Do you know anything more about what your hospital charges or your doctor charges or how much the insurance company makes? Do you know anything about where the money you pay for your prescriptions goes? Of course not. Why? Why? Why didn't they help? Why didn't they help on any of the issues that they said they were going to help on? These politicians have failed you. 
They are in power to maintain power and to grow power while giving tax money to their friends. If you don't believe me, look at what has happened in California with HHH, the measure that was meant to help the homeless. It is now five times over budget. 40% of that money goes to consulting fees to get around the regulations that the same politicians put in place. Okay? But you vote for them again and again and again because you feel emotionally connected to a stranger. People think that they know Adam Schiff and that because Adam Schiff says things that they like and things that make them feel reassured, like, yeah, of course, Trump is corrupt and the whole Russian collusion thing. And yeah, no, he had no witnesses. Zero out of 53 witnesses said that they had evidence that the Trump campaign was colluding with Russia. But Schiff went out on television and said it. Schiff is also a close friend of Ed Buck, a Democratic political donor who drugs, rapes, and murders black male escorts. Not a fucking joke. Look it up. It happened in Los Angeles within the last two years. Ed Buck. Okay? These people are not good people just because they say the things you like. Think about your relationships. Did you ever date a total liar who made you feel good for a while and you got really invested in them only to get really, really hurt? That's your relationship with the Democratic Party. And how do you justify this to yourself? You just say, well, they're fighting for me. That is preposterous nonsense and self-delusion. I will be back Monday. Same reasonable time, same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Goodbye. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and give it a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts so new listeners can take your word for it. You can follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at I'm Your Moderator. If you have feedback, you can email heymoderator at I'mYourModerator.com or use the hashtag Hey moderator on Twitter. If you'd like to support the show, search be reasonable on Patreon, where I'll have additional daily ish segments in a special podcast feed of the show, as well as my writing and audio readings of those articles. You can also go to anchor.fm slash be reasonable and become a supporter there. Thank you so much for listening until next time. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul, be reasonable. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. 
I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at imyourmoderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range. It's hell!